What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode, episode five of Kind of Different. Actually, I think this is six. No, this is six. Holy cow. We're moving, we're moving quickly. Episode six of Kind of Different, a podcast where we talk about innovation. Uh, we connect with some amazing people and we talk about how we can make dental care more human. I'm Matt Allen, uh, a dentist guy. That's what my friends call me, the CEO and co-founder of Different Kinds and your host for today. Really pumped to have someone with us today who has such a beautiful uh, way of bringing together lots of different perspectives and just a, a, lives a fully integrated life in lots of different ways. Uh, I'll let her tell you more about that in a minute. But uh, we talked at the beginning of, hey, we're going to bring on industry leaders, clinicians, and patients. And Allison uh, certainly is, uh, has the patient perspective as well. She is not a clinician. Uh, you are not a dental industry leader. You are an industry leader in what you do, but maybe not in dentistry. Um, so we're really going to learn a lot from your perspective. I think a lot of dental folk might not get to hear from the patient perspective uh, in, a, in a very common way. So um, Allison Carlman, thank you for joining us. We're super pumped to have you. Uh, would you please kind of just introduce our listeners to you and tell them a little bit more about you and what you do for work and whatever you want to share? Sure. Thanks so much for having me. I'm Allison Carlman. I am one of Matt's longtime friends, and I am a person with teeth, and I am a mother of people with teeth. And so, yes, I do bring that patient perspective. Um, I also work in a nonprofit that works. My industry is the international aid and philanthropy world. And so, actually, I work a lot around the topic of feedback and nonprofit feedback and constituent feedback within organizations and funders. And so that's also the perspective I bring to whatever situation I'm in, whether it's the dentist chair or something else. I love it. Um, well, I'm, I'm sure that, that that perspective is going to provide us with some enlightening points of view today. Uh, one of the things that we always like to do uh, in the true spirit of, hey, we wanna give you an option, right? Uh, we like to talk about innovation. We like to talk about connection. And we like to talk about dental care, making dental care more human. Is there any one of those specific categories where you would like us to start, Allison? Uh, no, you can just go for it. Go for it. All right, cool. Um, well, we've we've already talked a little bit about kind of hey, you have this patient perspective uh, that that uh, I think is really interesting and unique, um, and so. Thinking about your experience as a patient doesn't have to just be in dental care, um, but maybe it is in dental care. Um, thinking about your experience as a patient, what's one thing that a healthcare team or a dental care team um, does with you that really helps you kind of build trust with them? Um, say, hey, this is my people, they get me, they understand me. What's, what's something that you can think of that you're like, I really love when people tend to do this? There's two things that come to mind. I'd say that the first one is explaining why you're making a decision or a recommendation. So, you know, I think of the last time I was in um, the pediatric dentist's office and my son had like partially pulled out his tooth and he was pretty little, like three. So the decision was, do we leave it in and it could go bad or we pull it now and he would go for probably another four or five years with a hole. Um, and I really appreciated throughout the, the conversation, the dentist talked a little bit about, you know, their recommendation, thought a little bit more about it as he was working. And then he kind of popped back in and was like, you know, I'm also thinking about this. And then towards the end of the conversation, he was like, you know, I, I think here's where I'm leaning and here's why if it were my kid. But, um, you know, you've also sort of heard some of the other perspectives. 
in the end, he has was sort of recommending that we pull the tooth and I decided not to pull the tooth. Um, but I felt okay going against his like final recommendation because I understood maybe how like certain he was or wasn't in that recommendation and his considerations along the way. And I sort of had different values than he did. Um, I didn't want to put my three-year-old under like a traumatic dental experience that he didn't need so early in life if it was going to be okay. And he's five now and it seems to be going okay. So yeah, that's one thing. And I think the other thing is, is like, I know that when I'm getting a cavity filled or something, I really like them to tell me where they are in the process or what they're doing now, because I need to mentally prepare myself like, okay, this drilling is going to last for probably another 10 minutes or like, oh, we're almost done with the drilling. And then everything from here is like easier. So I like those milestone markers along the way so that I can like relieve some anxiety. Um, you know, I just, just like a little kid need to be told like you're through the hard part. Um, that's really helpful for me when I feel pretty out of control. Well, I, I mean, I think that those are two really generalizable things for most people, at least based on research and literature of like, Hey, you know, telling people what to expect and then like keeping them informed as that process goes, right? Like if we don't know those things, it tends to be really disengaging. And it sounds like you're saying that exactly. Of like, this is really helpful for me. Uh, so there's plenty of dental professionals out there who can listen to that and say, yeah, that's something I totally could do. So I absolutely love it. Um, and then also such a great example of, uh, I think something we, we tend to do in dentistry a lot is like, well, what would I do for my grandma? Or, you know, what would I do for my kid or whatever? And well, that's fine to think about. Um, I, I like what your dentist did of like, hey, this is, he shared his recommendation, but ultimately it felt, you felt empowered to say, well, at least I have the risks, benefits and alternatives and I can make my own choice and whatever. Because I think sometimes it's like, well, what would you do? I get that, you know, patients asking me that a lot. And it's like, well, I mean, I can share with that to you, but ultimately like my decision may not be your decision. And so I need to know what's important to you to help you make the best decision for you. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like that's what your dentist did. Right? Yeah, exactly. And you feel great about it. And two years later, you're still doing well. <laughs> we lucked out. Bridger <laughs> <laughs> is still crushing it. So that's awesome. I love those two things. Uh, again, super um, operationalizable for uh, our listeners. I love it. Um, keeping kind of in line with this, hey, let's talk about your patient experience and hearing a little bit more about that. I think you shared something that you know may not have been, maybe it's formative for our listeners, um, but think about your own patient experience, maybe you know with your kids as well. Tell us a story just about your most formative experience as a patient. Again, could be in healthcare, could be in oral healthcare, whatever, you, whatever you're thinking. I think my most formative experience was in my first pregnancy, I was working with midwives um, and this midwifery group was like pretty strict on like ways that they want, you know, nutrition, for example, like ways that they wanted the mothers to, you know, prepare themselves. And so they basically said, here's your like rule of thumb, no white foods, you know, sugar, no flour, no, like all of these things, because those things aren't really helpful. Which is like super hard for me as like a carbohydrate addict, especially one who's like needing extra calories during this time. But I'm also a rule follower. And so I came to like my first checkup after that initial meeting was like, okay, what about oatmeal? What about yogurt? You know, like, I was like, what? Like, I want to know like the ins and outs of every rule. And, and the, the midwife, like just quietly looked at me and was like, you're the mother of this child. You get to decide. And like, that was like the gift to me of like, in that moment, I became a mother and she gifted me that knowledge of like, actually you have to trust your own intuition in this. And you have to trust like what feels right to you 
And this is only the beginning. Like it only gets harder from here. Um, but you don't, you're not going to get the yeses or nos or checklists um, from here on out. So that was probably the most formative moment for me. And of course I hated it at the time. I just wanted to know like oatmeal or not oatmeal. Yeah, totally. But it felt like it it uh, gave you the the power to start to choose for yourself in some of those moments of, hey, even if it's against the, I don't have to follow the rules uh, all the time if I feel like it's something that I need or is good for my family or whatever. Yeah, or just to trust my own body, honestly, which mm-hmm. um, as a very like cerebral person, um, you know, I have a lot of learning to do there. So that was a gift. Love it. I love it. Uh, such a great can you, can you say what she said to you one more time, but it was like, I think it's just helpful people to hear that one more time. Yeah. Just like, well, you're, you're the mom, you get to decide. Mm-hmm. This isn't up to me to decide. So good. I love it. Um, okay. So I think that there's some, I feel like that's both connection and like innovation from a patient perspective. Um, lots there. I don't even, I, maybe those categories are blending together and that's totally okay. Um, I, I do think that as we think about making dental care more human, uh, you and I have talked about this off, you know, outside of this, but dentistry kind of has this history of, of really well-meaning paternalism. Um, and we've heard other guests talk about this as well. And I think it's super interesting to hear from a patient perspective. Um, what do you see as actionable steps that dental professionals can take to move beyond this paradigm, um, to, to move beyond, hey, look, like I want the best for you. And the way that I'm gonna express that is by telling you exactly what to do. So thinking about it strictly from an oral health perspective, um, what advice would you give to dental professionals out there on how to move beyond that, that paradigm? Well, anytime I'm a patient, I am also a um, international development practitioner. Um, and it turns out that uh, aid and international development also have a history of paternalism. Would you believe it? And so I think it's actually a lot of, you know, I think a lot of what we've been learning in those fields over the past 20 to 30 years um, applies here too. And, you know, I, I studied and worked in South Africa for a few years, just when the idea of asset-based community development was developing, ABCD. And the idea there is that the people whom you intend to help have everything they need. They have the assets that they already need. They might need some resources or some support in mobilizing it. They might need changes in government systems or systems or structures around them so that they can succeed. But um, you don't need like outside experts coming in, telling people what to do. These people have like generations of indigenous knowledge in them. And so I think the same goes for any patient experience. Like if you know, well-educated doctors, just like well-educated, you know, aid folks really truly believe that people have it within themselves to make good decisions, to um, change their own behavior, to take the actions they need to take care of themselves. Um, It lets go of that paternalistic sort of action and instinct. Um, And then it's that same invitation of like, you're, you are the one that's responsible actually ultimately for your own health. And so you get to make those decisions, um, which I said, you know, with my experience with a midwife was the, that was like the birthing of myself, honestly, like that was the most powerful thing for me. And that has been the most powerful thing in, in aid and development that I've seen over the last two decades is handing back that knowledge and ability to say like, you've actually got everything you need. And I'm just here as like a support. 
Yeah. And I mean, there's so much partnership involved in that, doing that without abandoning people, without saying, all right, well, we're just gone, you know, good luck. Right. Um, but to do that in a really collaborative and, and you know, kind of interesting partnership way, can you, do you have a specific, and if you don't, that's okay. Is there like a specific example of something where you've seen that just work really well in your work or maybe even in the healthcare experience too, but um, something where you've seen like, wow, here was what happened and here's how these kind of two groups work together to achieve X. Yes. So at Global Giving, where I work, we recently ended a program that wasn't leading. It wasn't wasn't having totally bad results, but it like wasn't getting us fast enough to our mission. And if we kept going on that trajectory, we just never were going to get there um, because it was it didn't have equitable results. Um, and so we ended the program, even though it was like wildly successful for a group of people. And instead of just deciding what goes in its place, like thinking of something new, um, a few weeks ago, we invited eight folks from around the world who represented sort of different groups who were disenfranchised earlier to come together to a human-centered design process. So it was over um, 16 hours, four days, um, where they got together and actually first told their own stories, got to know one another, and then ideated, brainstormed new ideas. Then they prototyped them, like with sketching and holding up pictures on the Zoom window, um, and then storytelling and critiquing, and then bringing it eventually to like a very low fidelity prototype of the solution they wanted instead. And you know, it it was hard for global giving staff to say, like, we had this really successful program that like honestly kept us funded um, to say, like, we are committing to implementing whatever these folks come up with, even though we're like the experts at our own organization. And it wasn't a totally hands off thing. Right. So in this analogy, like it's not that there wasn't room for like a dental professional and the patient. But when we came together, what it came down to is we invited these nonprofit leaders to divine to design the experience that they want to have. And then it was the like us as staff, our job to implement that experience, to like use our knowledge and resources to bring about that experience. And so there is a place at the end where we come together and now we have to like each use our own resources. And there's an, ultimately a handoff to the professional. Um, but there's like a deep engagement in with the nonprofit leaders to decide like what they want the story to, what they want the narrative to look like. Um, and that was really powerful because it did come to something that, you know, we'd heard pieces of before, but we'd never seen it like put together in this story that now we have this invitation to figure out how do we make it happen? Wow. Um, so thank you for sharing. It's really beautiful. And I think one of two of the words that stood out to me there are deep engagement, because I think it's easy to do engagement on like a box checking mm-hmm. level, um, but to truly deeply engage in that process is, is different. And I feel like the outcomes obviously were different for you guys as you deeply engage in that process. So, um, really you know, and the word we use is honestly sharing power. So mm-hmm. we are focused on becoming more community led. And so for us, community led can't mean like having a focus group, like a one hour conversation where we say like, we created this thing, isn't it great? And everyone's like, yeah, it's sort of great. Like maybe change the spelling here. Um, no, this was like sharing power. It was committing to implementing something that we didn't know what it was going to look like. And that is scary for professionals who have like, you know, 30 years of history doing their thing and, and actually think they know what it's going to look like. hundred percent. Wow. I love it. Um, it's a good sharing power is a good, it's probably going to be in the title of this podcast, right? Yeah. <laughs> a good way for us to think about it. So I love it. Um, okay. Well, as we think that about 
some of the ideas you just shared and say, okay, well, this can help make dental care more human. Uh, this can really help kind of ground us in lots of ways. Obviously, you just shared from a different industry, um, your, your expertise of, hey, how, here's what we can learn from innovation in other industries. Um, but what, do you have any other ideas around that of just like, hey, here's what I've seen work um, in other industries, um, in other spaces that you've been involved in um, to say, hey, look like here's how we can continue to innovate in a really helpful way. And, and maybe it's just, you know, saying what you just said again, but um, curious, curious to hear your perspective there on uh, applying outside of dentistry to other industries? I think it's a, a matter of um, making time for relationships. So we start that four-day process with like a good section of that time of storytelling. Um, and not just like, so what were you doing this weekend? Which is like, literally, like, what are your plans this weekend? Which is literally the question that I guess I get asked by every dental hygienist before they get to work. Um, <laughs> but something more deeply about who they are or why they're here or maybe what they're concerned about um, or that we like what their like skills are um, even when it comes to their own health uh, because those things help provide the context for understanding what the right solution is. I mean, there's like very cliche stories where you have, um, you know, outsiders coming into a community where they, where the women are walking for miles to go get water every morning and saying like, how amazing if we could just put like a, a well here in the community um, and so they do so because they think like that access to water is so important. Well, it turns out actually the women really value that, you know, 45 minute walk they get with their sisterhood every morning. That's the time when they connect with people when the rest of the day they're stuck in their own home caring for their children. And so, you know, nobody's using that well or people are angry about the well. And then there's like they start problems and they actually made it worse than they began with because people who came in had their like one solution, you know, like their one hammer um, and the context just wasn't right. So that's what I love about what different kind is doing is thinking about what do people value? Like, what are people's values individually? And acknowledging they are not going to be the same, even between you and I, even though we have a lot of the same background and, you know, um, that we seem like we might be the same, but we don't. Yeah. Well, for, for full transparency, right? If, you, if you've loved what Allison is saying today, um, Allison is a member of, a, of our, our advisory board, and she brings this perspective to all of our advisory board meetings and all of the work that we get to do with her. Uh, she is constantly reminding us of this perspective, and we are so grateful and so much better for it um, because of uh, the work that you do, Allison. So thank you for that as well. It's such a pleasure to be part of this journey with you. Yeah, well, um, hey, so if people really want to find out more about you or maybe just about global giving, they're like, hey, I love that model. I love what you're talking about. I would love to be involved in some way. Um, tell us more where we can find out about you or global giving or whatever you might want to share. Uh, for people. Yeah. Well, I mean, I know that, you know, Ukraine is in the news right now. There are other natural disasters that are constantly in the news. Um, Global Giving has an approach where we believe in local people and local people's ideas and the people that will be there for the long haul and not parachuting in to solve problems. And so, yeah, if there's something you care about, we have local projects um, from, you know, 170 countries on globalgiving.org where you can support one that you care about. You can also give Global Giving gift cards to your clients or people that you care about and invite them to give to a cause that moves them um, and sort of pass that generosity along, which is sometimes even better than like a $5 Starbucks gift card, which we know everybody loves. But the research shows that, um, you know, giving the opportunity to be generous is actually more impactful. So I'd invite people to visit Global Giving and 
and help um, support the idea of community-led solutions. So great. Thank you, Allison, so much for taking the time today to join us to share your just thoughtful, deep, wonderful perspective uh, with all of our listeners. Um, I'm so grateful. I feel uh, encouraged and edified uh, moving forward, just you know, even for the rest of my day. So thank you for, for taking the time to join us today. Such a pleasure. Thanks so much, Matt. Yeah.